What is prayer? How would you define what prayer is? Talking to God? A conversation with God? So what is not prayer? A vending machine? An obligation or a wish list? Talking to ourselves with our eyes closed? When we pray, we can have access to the heart and knowledge of God. It is about knowing God and getting in the stream where God can do crazy things. It's up to us to listen and then speak. And the better we can hear God, the better we can articulate when we pray. And in the next four episodes of this podcast, prayer will be the topic, which will then lead us all the way up to the beginning of season three of The Thought Factory. And in this four-part series on prayer, Jeff Eckert, who is the founder of Never the Same and Claimer Campus, who is also my co-host on The Thought Factory podcast, is speaking to a group of high school students that are all a part of the Claim Your Campus National Student Council Forum. And in this episode, Jeff gives us a better understanding of how prayer works. Let's take a listen. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. I think... A lot of us here have seen the movie Finding Nemo. Even though it's older, you've maybe seen that movie. And the whole story of the movie is the father. And what's his name in the movie? Do you remember? Marlon. And what's he trying to do through the whole movie? He's trying to find Nemo. I wonder where they came up with the title. So he spends the whole time doing this. And there are different phases when he's working at trying to find his son. And it seems impossible, right? And when he's going after to find him, there are certain times you remember where he's swimming and he's going upstream. Like, do you remember that scene in the movie where all those really nasty-looking fish are swimming towards him and he's trying to go the opposite way? He just kind of keeps getting beat up. And then he goes through the jellyfish fields and all these different things. And he's working so hard to get there. And then there's this one point where all of a sudden he kind of passes out and falls asleep on the back of another animal. Do you remember that part? Do you remember what the animal was that he fell asleep on? It was a turtle with like the coolest accent, right? The surfer dude. And he is in, what are they called? The Eastern Australian Current. Is that what it's called? Is that for real? Does anybody know? Is that a real thing? Okay, it is. So he gets into the stream, and, and he's even asleep. He's not even trying. He's not even working. And all of a sudden, he's moving at light speed going through the ocean. And think about the two differences between that. There's one where he's working so hard, and he's not really maybe getting anywhere or even going backwards, and he's exhausted. And then there's another side where he just gets into the stream, and boom, he's gone. And he went farther than he can ever go on his own. And that's what it's like when you're in the zone, and what you might call in the stream, with the Spirit, with God's Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. When you're in this place where you're, you're in a zone where God is taking you places and doing things in your life that there's no way you could do on your own. And I don't know if you've experienced that yet or not, but I can tell you as someone who's experienced both sides of that, where I've tried to work so hard to do something and it doesn't seem to work out. And then all of a sudden it seems like there are other times when things click and, and God, I just, we just seem to kind of get synced up, and then things happen, and things start moving, 
and it almost seems like I'm not doing anything. And when we begin to understand how prayer works, and Claim Your Canvas is all about praying, right? It's all about connecting with God and lifting up our school and praying for our friends and asking for the, for the grace, peace, justice, and mercy of God to, to, to take over the lives of the people that we go to school with, including our own and our campus. When we start to do that, you're going to find that when you get into the stream of the Spirit, you can work as hard as you want and you can do as, as much as you want on your own power. But when you get into the stream of the Spirit, things change and all of a sudden things take off and you won't believe what's going to happen. And I've spent a lot of time in the last seven years especially asking a question that I didn't really ask before. And that question is, what is prayer? And I want you to think about that for a minute. How would you define what prayer is? And that's what I want to ask you to do here for a second on your notebooks is I want you to write um, prayer is and you fill in the blank. How would you define prayer? And as you're thinking and writing, I'm going to tell you how I grew up. I grew up in a family that believed in God and I had great parents and we prayed when we would eat and, and I don't remember them ever telling me this, but I would always pray before I went to bed and my dad, a lot of times when I was a little boy, he would come in and he would pray with me before I went to bed when I was really young. And, you know, you have those memories when you're little and you sometimes you just remember the little weird things, or maybe it's just me, but I remember him. We weren't like a super affectionate family, but when I was little, I remember he would kiss me on the cheek or on the forehead, and uh, he didn't have a really cool beard like I did. But he would, by the end of the day, he was like all kind of scruffy, you know, and and his face, I remember it felt rough every night. I just remember feeling the, the touch of his face when he was. And so we had some of these routines that I learned when I was a kid. So I always knew you're supposed to pray when you went to bed, and then you're supposed to pray before you eat. And I thought, maybe if you didn't, you might choke and die, you know. It was just one of those things you did because you're supposed to, because you had to. I always joke, and I say, before we eat, you got to say the obligatory prayer. Everybody has to pray for whatever you but in the last seven years, I've said, what's prayer? How, how would I define it? And, and I'm curious to know what you're thinking about and what you're writing. And I'm going to ask maybe some of you to be a little bold. And just, and there's no, I don't have like, I can tell you this, after seven years, I'm going to give you some of my thoughts about it, but I don't know if I have a real defined answer yet. So whatever you're thinking, I'm curious to know and I'm curious to hear because I think prayer, the more I've thought about it, at first, I was like, oh, yeah, I know what prayer is. And then I wrote a definition. I looked at it. I was like, eh, yeah, but there's so much more to it. So this is a place for us to kind of expand and think and, and try to just grasp maybe some new ideas. So would two or three of you be brave enough to maybe share what you wrote on your paper about what you think prayer is? I'm just curious. Anybody over here on this side? Talking with God. Talking with God. Okay, that's good. Anybody else over here? Passion. Okay. A personal connection with God. Very good. How about over here? Two or three people. Anyone brave enough? Hearing from God. Okay, a whole other side, right? It's not just talking, but hearing. What else? Any other thoughts? Two-way conversation. Okay. 
Any other? Anybody else want to share maybe what they put? Yeah. So communication with God, not just talking, but kind of things going back and forth. All right? Yeah, a couple more. So, yeah, so if you've got worries, things kind of going wrong, goes to God. And that's a great part of prayer, isn't it? Yes. Say it again. A power. The power in prayer. So think about all these things. Last one here, Gabby. What do you think? So prayer is our response of love back because of his love for us. That's really good. And those are all true, right? All those things are true. Now, how about what prayer is not? Take a minute and think about that. What is prayer not? What would you say... This isn't prayer. Maybe I thought this was, or this just doesn't, this doesn't jive with what I think prayer really is, as I understand it right now. I'll give you a second. And I'm going to ask some of you again, what are you thinking about? Remember in college, I had a professor who would pray. I went to a Christian college. And a lot of times he would pray and he would kind of lecture us. And he would like, um, and he's a great guy and I love him. He's, I actually admire him almost more than anybody. But it's funny, when he would pray sometimes, he would, it, you could tell it was almost like he was trying to just talk to us. And we kind of always laughed about it because he'd say, you know, Lord, help these students to take care of themselves and to wear scarves and to go outside and to be healthy and get their sleep. And I'm like, you can just say that to us and it'll kind of eliminate the middleman, but... So I would say prayer is not like trying to get a message across to other people, right? <laughs> All right, so how about over here? Prayer is not. What are some things you're thinking about? What is prayer not? A vending machine. Ooh, that's good. All right, what else? Anybody else over here? What's prayer not? Yes. Just an obligation, something you have to do because you're supposed to. A ritual, Okay. They're good. Yes. A wish list, right? Santa Claus kind of thing, right? How about anybody over here? What's prayer not? Yeah. Ooh, did you hear that? Prayer is not another thing we do, but how we do our thing. I just added that. That's good. I like that. That's good. Not talking to yourself with your eyes closed. We've kind of probably maybe felt like that sometimes, right? Like, is my prayer really going past the ceiling? You almost feel like you're alone. Good. A couple more. Anybody else? What's prayer not? Any other thoughts? These are good. These are good. Okay. Now, I'm going to give you an idea of what prayer is. And this actually isn't my idea. But we study prayer here as a staff every week. It's one of the things we do when we pray together. So this is a quote from one of the guys that we like named Ian Bounds. And he says that prayer is the sense of God's need and the call for God's help to supply that need. And that'd probably be the best thing that I could think of if I was going to try to define prayer as much as I could maybe in a short amount of words. So if you think about that, there's a need 
And prayer is sensing that and then asking God to help supply that need, whatever that need might be. Now, I realize there's a, probably even a lot more to prayer than that, but I think that is maybe a good starting point. Because what we're going to talk about over the next few sessions together and this weekend is really understanding needs. What is, what is a need and what are needs? And some of you mentioned, you know, prayer is not a vending machine or a wish list. But it's not just saying, okay, this is God, this is what I want. Although we can do that too, right? But I think this is a, maybe a good starting point for us to think about. And everything we're going to talk about tonight is really going to be a foundation to help us understand prayer. And just a few years ago, I think three or four years ago, I became familiar with this general idea that I heard from an older gentleman who's a mentor of mine in the area of prayer. And, and it's something I've tried to develop and think about, and something I call 360-degree prayer. And this little, this little diagram here can maybe a new reality when it comes to prayer and how prayer exists. So it starts with God the Father at the top. And then if you go down to the right, then by the Spirit... The Spirit of God reveals to us the heart and the knowledge and the love of God. And then we receive that. And then through us, we take that back to God in our prayers. And then the Scripture will tell us something that maybe you've never known until tonight, is that we actually join the Son of God, Jesus, because the Scripture says that He is praying for us right now. Did you know that? That Jesus is praying. The scripture tells us, we're going to read this first. A lot of people don't know that. That's one of the, that's one of the roles that the Son plays right now in present, in real time. Jesus is praying right now for us. This moment. And we get to the privilege of joining with Him in that work. It's pretty amazing. And it starts with God. Listen to what the scripture says. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments, and his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. This helps us understand that it all comes from God. It's all about God. And God the Father knows all things. Like Scripture, Jesus tells us that he knows Every hair in our head. He knows the number. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Now think about that. Think about the fact that that knowledge exists in a God that loves us. And ask yourself this question. If you could sit down with somebody, anybody in history that you wanted to do, that you're fascinated with, that you like or love, and maybe not just because they're a cool person. Like, think, think a little bit beyond Hollywood for a minute. Like, if you think of, like, a movie star or whatever. Think about somebody who's changed the world and how they've lived. And you could think of a more recent example, maybe somebody like Steve Jobs in the technology field or Martin Luther King Jr. Or, you know, go back a little bit, maybe somebody like Abraham Lincoln or Alexander the Great, like, go way back in history. Like, but just think of somebody who you would, you would think... I wonder what they think about. I wonder how their mind works, and I wonder what they know, what they've learned in life. 
And just imagine for a minute that you could sit down with them for an hour. And you could pick anybody you wanted. And you could sit down with them and you could ask them any question that you wanted to ask. And you could tap into their, their brain for a minute and their experience. And I don't know if you can think of somebody specifically, but now think about this. When we pray, do you know that you can have access to the heart and the knowledge of God? That when we pray, we can actually get access to that. And the scripture tells us that that's by the Spirit of God. That the Spirit of God helps us to understand who God is. And in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul helps us understand that when he writes this letter. He writes this letter to the a church in Corinth, way back, again, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And he's explained to them about the Spirit of God. And he says, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. And in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And what we have received is not the Spirit that's of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So what we have is we have this, this part of God, the Holy Spirit, that takes the heart and the knowledge. And that scripture that we read just before this, it says, you know, how unsearchable his judgments, all the things that he knows. And he's giving us a window into that heart through the Holy Spirit of God that reveals the heart of God to us. Isn't that crazy? It's like knowing the thoughts of God. And that's what prayer can help us do. And then for us, all that we do is we are dependent upon God to do what God wants. And this scripture here is Jesus speaking about himself. And Jesus is the perfect example. So here in John chapter 5, Jesus says to his disciples, Very truly I tell you, the Son, he's referring to himself, can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. And that's an example for us to understand that we need to hear from the father. Jesus lived his life in a way, and if you read the Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you'll see over and over where he says, I'm only doing what the father tells me to do. That's how he lived his life. Whatever the father wants me to do, I'll do it. And when he prayed sometimes, if you remember at the end of his life when he prayed, he was in the garden. And, and me and Arianna, my wife, we were able to go there just a few months ago and stand probably in one of the exact, if not the exact place where he prayed this prayer that's still there today in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, he said, Father, I want you to take this away from me. I don't want to go through this. But if you remember what he prayed, he said, but it's not about what I want. It's about what you want. And when we understand prayer and we, when we get into the stream, we'll begin to realize that it's really not up to us. It's about us knowing God and getting in the stream where God can do some crazy things. And you're going to hear some stories this weekend about how students are doing that through Claim Your Campus. But right now, what we're talking about is bigger than that. We're just talking about prayer. We're just talking about understanding what it is and how it works. So this is our job right here. When it comes to prayer, ultimately and ideally, and I know this doesn't happen all the time for all of us, any of us, and me even, but I try, as I've understood this, 
to understand that my job first when I pray is to listen. And then my job is to speak. Now if you think about this cycle here, as the cycle goes from the, from the heart of the Father through the whole, by the Holy Spirit and then through us, this is where it gets bogged down, right? This is where it can get screwed up because all of a sudden we may not totally know what God's saying. We've all experienced that, right? Where God, we go, I don't know if this is God speaking to me or I don't know if this is right or what I should do or, or should I pray for this. But the best we can, and God is patient, He's patient with us. He's not up there with a club just, you know, waiting for us to mess up. He's, he's patient. He's kind. So it's up to us to listen and then pray and speak. And we're going to talk about how you do that. Now, if you've ever been around somebody who's, who's um, audibly challenged, maybe they're totally deaf or partially deaf or they can't hear, have you ever noticed that the less they can hear clearly, the more it affects their speech? Have you ever noticed that? If you've been around a person who's deaf and it's hard for them to hear, it's hard for them to articulate because one of the key things about speaking is hearing, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever realized that or noticed that, but if you've ever been somewhere and you can't hear really well, it's hard to speak. Have you ever had headphones on or you've been around somebody with headphones and you're like, hey, how you doing? And you're like, dude, turn it down. You're in the real world. Ever had that happen? It's, you can't hear, so you, you know, it affects the way that you speak. And that's the way it is with us too, right? When God is speaking, the better that we can hear Him, the clearer that channel is from the Father, by the Spirit to us, the better we can speak and articulate when we pray. How do we know the voice of God? Number one, there's, there's a number one clear answer, and you know what it is? What's the number one way we can hear God? You know? Might want to take a guess? Scripture. It's, it's the Word of God. It's the Bible. That's the number one way we can hear God. And the more that we know that, a lot of people go, well, I don't know what God's saying to me. I don't know what God's speaking. And the thing to think about is, well, in a lot of ways, God's already spoken. And His Word is true. And so the more that we understand this, the more that we can know the voice of God because we know the character of God. And if you know someone, you know how to speak to them. You speak to the people in your life differently than you do people you don't know. Like when you walked in the door tonight and you met some people you didn't know, like you didn't go up and, and give them like a weird inside joke, unless you're Matt Rhodes, and then you probably did. But um, Because you don't know them, right? It's just weird. You don't, but as you develop a relationship, then you can have better conversations, right? And so it's up to us to, to listen and speak. And then here's the scripture, Romans 8. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Interceding means praying on our behalf. Intercession or interceding or intercede. You hear that word? We may throw it out here over the weekend a few times. That's a real fancy word. Maybe you can go back and impress your friends when you go home. But intercession means praying to God on behalf of somebody else. And so here it says that Jesus is praying on our behalf. He's interceding. And when this was written, this is like not, well, he has interceded. He's prayed for us. This says he is praying. He's, inter he's doing it right now. This is an active thing. Just imagine what that's like to be there in the presence of God. 
Imagine what it's like to be there in that room. Whatever that looks like in whatever reality, which is far beyond our understanding, imagine what it's like to be in the room where Jesus is praying for you by name. How crazy is that to think about? And that when we pray, we have the privilege to do the exact same thing. So a couple observations here to think about. Prayer begins and ends with God. Think about that. The whole idea of prayer with this concept that will be foundational for us as we go forward is that prayer begins and ends. Like, a lot of times when we pray, we think, oh yeah, I'm going to think of this and pray. But in reality, maybe whether we've never understood this or not, in reality, when we pray, it's already begun with God. Right? Because it's God calling us to pray to Him. It's God speaking to us and reminding us and saying, and maybe revealing a need where we go, oh man, I've got this crazy thing going on in my life and I'm going to have to pray. So it begins and ends with God and who He is. And He invites us into the process. Number two is that we are invited into the process. And that's amazing to think about. That God would say, Hannah, I want you to be involved in this process of bringing the kingdom of God to life in this world, in your life and to everyone around you, and I'm going to invite you into that process. How cool, how amazing is it that God would choose to do that? But he does. We mentioned this, number three, but the better we hear, the clearer that we pray. The better we can hear, the more clear we can pray and articulate to God the things that are on our hearts and the things that he's placed in our hearts. And number four is that we can be confident when we pray. I think if there's one thing that I notice with people in general that I know, with most Christians that I know, and especially most students, and part of it has to do with your life experience and your age, but it's a lack of confidence in prayer. When people pray, it's like they just kind of they kind of pray and it's like, I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do, and there's a lot of maybe awkwardness or like, I don't know if I can really do that, and there's just this kind of shyness, there's this, there's this lack of boldness, and I want to talk about that for a minute, because if there's one thing that I could do while you're here with us is this, that you can be a person that prays with confidence. That when you leave here, maybe your life will totally change and you will pray with confidence. I remember a student, and I wish I knew her name, but she came to one of our camps two summers ago. And, and if you've ever been to NDS camp, you know that we have a time of prayer that's optional that we do every night before our evening session. And I've never heard a student pray like this. I think she was in ninth or 10th grade. And it was like she prayed... And I thought like the roof was going to open and fire was just going to like come down and like take us all up to heaven. It was just the most powerful thing I, I've ever experienced when a student has prayed before. And you know what? The thing about it was she wasn't putting on a show. She just came there and she prayed with passion and with confidence. And that's what I want you to have. Because if there's anything that's going to change your life, there's anything that's going to that's going to take you to a different place in your relationship with God, if there's anything that's going to change your school, it's going to be praying with confidence. Claim Your Campus started right here in Grand Rapids, just a few miles from here, at East Kentwood High School. And at East Kentwood High School, 
there was a weekly prayer group of, of, of eight students, and I met with them every Tuesday morning. We'd get together and we'd pray. And every week when we'd pray, it would be like, Lord, thanks for this day and help us today. And God, you're good and help us in our tests. And all really nice things that we've all prayed, and they all are great, and they're very polite. But really to be kind of blunt and not mean, because I love those kids and they're awesome, but they didn't pray with a lot of passion, power, or purpose. They just kind of prayed, like nice things, but maybe you could call them kind of meaningless because there really wasn't any point. It was like, it was really nice that we got together, and because of them, we're here today, and this movement is all over the country. But one day I just asked them, how would you know if God's answering your prayer? Would we know any change at this school because we're gathered here? Would, would there be any difference that we could recognize? And I asked them this, what's one thing that you could choose to pray for that we could know this school would be different because we're praying. And they started talking about what's happening at the school, and the culture of fighting had, had developed and, and kind of grown. And, and I remember the students saying, I'll never forget staying there, and they said, you know, it seems like almost every day now there's a fight. And they started talking about it. They're like, yeah, that's right. There's more and more fights here. And they started talking about that, and they said, why don't we just pick that? Because I said, just pick something and see. Let's see what God does. And they said, okay, let's do that. And so we started praying, and, and a few weeks went by, and about two months went by, and then someone mentioned to me that the school board, in their report for that quarter of that year at that school, reported on their statistical report that there was no fighting in that school as of late, that, that the culture of that school had changed, and that there was no more fighting at that school. And the school kind of sat back, and they the friend of mine that was at the meeting, they said, we don't know how this happened. Like, we didn't do an assembly. We didn't do a convocation. We don't know what happened. You know, sitting in this room tonight, there's three miracles, at least that I know of, of why people got here. Number one is the students that came from Atlanta. We talked just a couple weeks ago on the phone, and they thought they had a way here, and it fell through, and they needed to fly up here, and, and it looked like it wasn't going to happen for them to make it. And and Taylor and I talked, and we texted back and forth, and Olivia was involved in that, and we said, let's just take this to God and pray. And I remember the night before, and we talked on the phone, Taylor and I talked on the phone, and, and I just said, let's just commit this to pray about right now and just ask that God will provide this need. And the very next day, I came in here to the office, and, and I had a meeting set up with this guy that wanted to come by, and he came by, and he goes, hey, I got something for you. And he gave me a check that paid for those students to get here. This is just two weeks ago when we committed, and Taylor and, and you guys from there, you committed to pray for that. Now, just this week, Lauren is here, had work on Saturday, and, we, and she couldn't get off work, and we, she'd ask all of her coworkers, and like, dead end, dead end. She asked everybody, and everybody said no, and it didn't work. And yesterday morning, when I woke up, and I'd been praying, and I said, Lord, today we need to have a solution so that Lauren can be here. Gabby didn't have a ride. Two days ago, Gabby, who was here last year, like, same thing, kind of fell through, couldn't get here. And yesterday morning, I prayed, Lauren and Gabby, I said, Lord, provide a way to get them here and ask them to pray. And we prayed. And you know what? Yesterday, God answered those prayers and provided ways for them to be here. And I think sometimes it's sad because we don't ever commit anything specific so we don't understand how amazing prayer is. That's just here in the last few days. 
But you know, the difference sometimes is just saying, God, this is something very specific that we're asking for you to do. And you know what? It's amazing how you'll see God answer if you ask specifically. Like imagine going up to your parents and saying, hey, mom, can you, can you help me? Can you help me today? Just help me. Imagine a conversation like that where you walked in and said, help me today. And then you just left and your mom's sitting there going, with what? Right? But how often do we pray like that? We say, God, help me today. And we don't put much thought into it. We just kind of say it, but we don't really think about what we're saying. Like that would drive me nuts as a parent if one of my daughters came up and said, hey, I need your help. What do you need? And then they were gone. Okay? What do I do with that? And there's sometimes, like when we pray, I don't know what God does with our prayers because I don't know how he can work with our prayers because maybe we're not specific enough. Something to think about. All right. Does anybody know who that lady is on the screen? Does anybody know? How many people know who that is? You can say out loud right now. Who is it? Wonder Woman. You're supposed to say it like that. That's the original Wonder Woman from the 70s. And then does anybody know who that is on the upper right there? Same bowl. Now there's a lady. She did this TED Talk. And I'm, I'm just in the middle of her book. And her book's called Presence. And her whole study is how our posture affects our physiology, affects our bodies. And she says, and they've got research to show this, that your body language, your body posture, actually affects you hormonally. It affects the way you think. It affects the way you act. It affects the perception of other people and how they look at you and how they think of you. But it also affects how you think of you. Right? So we're going to do something. I want you to, to stand up. And we're going to do uh, two of her power poses here. So I want you to pick one. First one is like arms stretched out, the V, or the Wonder Woman. Now, if you're a guy, you can still do the Wonder Woman pose. It's okay. It's all right. But for the next 15 seconds, I want you to pick a power pose and just hold it. You ready? About 15 seconds, go. Pick a power pose. Victory or this. And I'm looking at you right now, and I'm seeing most of the girls, not all of you. Trying to see if any, are there any guys with the one? Yeah, okay, here we go. Some guys with the Wonder Woman pose, that's good. Now just hold it for a minute. And here's what she would say. Just hold it just for a second while I'm talking. Here's what she would say. She would say, if you do this like two minutes, of a, two minutes a day, the, this power pose thing, it will change the way you understand and think about yourself. And it will change your perception. And other people, even when you do this, it will just boost something in you that will affect the way you interact with other people when you do that every day, okay? Now, just for the last five seconds, switch to the other power pose. Whatever you're doing, just switch to the other. And if you didn't wear a geode and your arm's in the air, it's okay. It's all right. Just don't turn your head and blow on somebody else. Okay. All right? Now, now she talks about that. Now, just stay standing for a minute. Don't sit down. Here's what she says. She would say that... Uh, in the opposite way, there's, there's like low power poses. And low power poses affect us because um, it shows that when we kind of go inward with our body, the more inward we are, the more collapsed we are, uh, then that affects us negatively. Now, let me ask you this question. They did this study, but let me ask. Let's, let's imagine you're at your high school basketball game and you're watching. 
and it's the last second, and um, somebody shoots on your team for the win, and they miss, and you lose. What would you do with your hands a lot of times? You might pull them in, and you might do this, right? A lot of, this is kind of a, they found this is a universal thing, like you put your hands on your head, or you put your hands in your face, your face in your hands, and it's just like you kind of start to collapse. And so here's a couple low-power poses. Now, these are a little different. These aren't necessarily hers, but I want us to understand something here for a minute. So looking at these, let me explain them, and then I want you to pick one. One is with your head bowed, your eyes closed, and your hands kind of folded together like that. That's one. That's kind of a collapsing body posture. And the second one is even more where you're just down on your hands and knees, and your arms are out, and your, your body's just kind of folded in, and you've got your arms kind of out in front of you. But notice, like, the other one's like, you're out, you're doing this, you're kind of spread out. These, your body is just inward, and you're kind of collapsing, okay? So if you're able to do one of these, I want you to take 15 seconds and do one of these low power poses, all right? So you can sit for the one if you want, or kneel for the second one. Okay? All right, so you got the low power pose here. And what this research would say is, this is you almost kind of in a surrendering mode. This is you kind of just pulling yourself in. Okay? All right, think about your body language right now. We talked about body language a little bit earlier in worship. But think about this. Now, for the last five seconds, if you can real quick, do the other low power pose. Just for five quick seconds so that you get both in. Both at once. That's crazy talk. Look at that. Both at once. Okay. All right. Now you can have a seat. Now, the scripture sets this really crazy scene for us. And the scene is the throne room of God. And if you can in your mind somehow just try to wrap your mind around this, maybe you even need to close your eyes for a second and just wrap your mind around the throne room of God. What would the throne room of God look like? It's hard for us to, to kind of wrap our minds around this invisible God, but the Bible says there's a throne. And I don't think we're talking about symbolically either. I think there is a literal throne room of God. And God is seated on that throne. And it gives us some crazy pictures of what this room is like, some word pictures where there are, are creatures there with different heads and wings, and some are flying, and some are calling out, and some are offering up crowns before the throne. And there are other thrones and seats of judgment with, with places of honor. And there are angels that are continually calling out to God. And one of the things that the scripture tells us in a couple places is they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And you might even imagine there's smoke. And there's this sense probably of awe that we can't even understand because in the Bible there are different times when God in small ways even reveals himself to people here in the natural world and it's overwhelming. People think they're going to die out of fear and trembling. So just imagine this throne room for a minute. 
Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but here's what I want you to just picture for a minute. If this were possible, I want you to picture that. In that throne room, there's a door. Maybe it's like right back behind the throne, kind of. I want you to just think about a door for a minute. And when we begin to pray, when we begin to get in touch and connect and in sync with God, that door opens and we get to walk in. And just imagine you get to walk into that throne room. And imagine you get to stand there before the presence of God in all of His holiness, in the midst of all those things we talked about happening. And when you walk in the door, just imagine for a minute that everything stops. And everyone watches you as you walk into the throne room. And they're watching and they're waiting to see what you will do and to hear what you will say. What posture would you have walking into the throne room? What would your body language say about your response to being in that place right there? Listen to what the scripture says. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us approach the throne of grace with what? You say it, with what? Say it with just a little bit more confidence. With what? Confidence. Right? To enter with confidence. Think about that. Because it says, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, if we need mercy, if you need mercy from somebody, that may mean that you go in a very low power posture and pose. Do you see what I'm saying? Because when sometimes when we ask for mercy, and I don't know if it's been really, if we've been in an extreme situation enough in our lives, anyone here in the room, where you've literally had to maybe plead for mercy. Maybe some of you have experienced that. That would be a very extreme situation to be in, where you're literally down and you are pleading for mercy. And your body is what we just did a few minutes ago, where you're just in this, this low power mode where you're, in full surrender, in your heart and in your attitude, in your voice, in your body, everything, you're just caving in and surrendering. But I think there's that, but I also think that there's power poses in here. I think there's this idea that when that door opens and we could walk in, we could walk in And without trying to sound irreverent, maybe this is for you girls, it'd be like, Wonder Woman. You know, you could walk in there and you could walk in with confidence. Or like Usain Bolt, you can walk in in victory. Because you know what God's done for you. You know that he's made this moment possible for you to be there 
to speak to this God in this throne room, that you can have that kind of confidence. And I want you to imagine you go in there, and I want you to just think about what you would say. And let's just imagine you're there, and you're standing there as a representative of your school. You've brought yourself, you've been sent there, whatever, because you're there representing the school that you attend. And you're here to talk to God about your school. You're here to bring some needs that you see in your school before God. There's kind of two different paths you can take here. The one path is to come in and say, God, I just want to thank you for my school. I want to thank you for this day. And I want you to help us at our school today. And then you walk out. And I could just imagine the response in heaven would be like, is that it? That's all they had to say? We stopped for that? And I think the other path to take is to walk in there with confidence and humility. And maybe in a, even, even in a low power pose where you're asking for mercy for your friends and your school. Or you're boldly saying, God, I know that you can do this, and I know you want to do this, and I'm asking that you would do this. And we have needs at our school. Students are being bullied every day. Students have suicidal thoughts. They're struggling. They're being abused at home. Students are being tore apart by gossip or racism or whatever you would want to say. And you can take that before God. And then you can walk out. We can pray with confidence. Because we have a God who loves us like a good father, like a perfect father. Some of you don't maybe know what that's like here. But trust me when I say you have a perfect God with a perfect track record who loves you more than you'll ever know. And you can stand before that loving father. You could even maybe crawl up on his lap if you wanted to. Did you know you're allowed to do that? The Bible says, it uses the word Abba, which in our translation for, for us today, probably the best way to think about it would be either like the word dad or daddy. It's a very intimate thing. And we have that kind of access so we can have that kind of boldness. And that's what we have. And I just want you to understand that now that you know that, when you pray, be confident. Not because you have all the right words. Not because it might come out perfect in your mouth or you're going to sound really fancy and impressive by because you know what? God doesn't care. And you shouldn't either. Because our prayers aren't meant to impress anybody. And our prayers aren't meant to make us look good. Right? You with me? But we can go before that God and say, okay, God, Father, Dad, this is going on at my school, and we need your help today. And I'm here as a representative of all the people I go to school with. 
And dad, I know that maybe not all of them are thinking about you today. And I know that even those that love you and know you, maybe it's not even on their mind to think about all the needs that are represented in the hallways of my school today. But I'm thinking about them. And I care. And I want you to help us. Because we have needs. And you can provide those needs. And so here's what I want you to think about. What I want you to think about is, what posture right now would you take as you go before God as we pray here tonight? What posture would you want to take before God, especially as you think about your school? Because what we're going to do here in a minute is I'm going to, we're, going to, we're going to pray together, and I'm going to have you just pray silently here at the end. And I want you to adopt one of the four postures that we looked at. And I know it may sound weird to you, like praying like this. Because you're like, I didn't just cross the finish line at the Olympics. But what does this posture say when you can say, God, I know you have the victory. I know you have the answer. And I know that maybe I've been defeated, but I'm a victor. I'm a winner. Maybe you've never felt that way before, especially at your school. And you need to just say, God, I receive it. And you're going to pray like this. And some of you are going to go, all right, this is my pose right here. I'm going to stand strong. I've been maybe meek and backwards and ashamed of the God that I love and the God that loves me and I want other people to know and I'm just going to stand in confidence. And for some of you, it might be this idea of just saying, God, we need your help so desperately. And your head's bowed and surrendered and you're saying, God, our needs are great. And maybe you're feeling like even super extreme where there's maybe either a big issue of surrender in your life or in your friend's life or at your school where there's like something you feel like something desperately needs to happen. And that would take you to this one where you're just down and you're saying, God, we desperately need your help. And your posture will represent that low power mode. Now, in human terms, those low power poses are supposed to be negative. But here's the thing, here's the twist for us is that actually those poses of dependence, of, of lowness, of meekness, of, of just saying, God, I don't have what it takes, are actually an amazing declaration because we're saying, God, I don't have it. We can't fix this. One of the schools that I was familiar with early on in Claim Your Campus, the nickname of that school was Heroin High School because drugs were so bad at that school. And they said to me once, nobody can fix it. And their prayer was, God, we want to change the reputation of the school. That's something only God can do. And I don't know what it is for you. But I want you to think about how you want to approach the throne here. And I want your body to represent a confidence. Because we can be confident even in our lowness. and a humility. So whether we come in with a power pose, we come in strong, or we come in weak, we come in with a confidence of a God who cares and wants to answer and meet our need. 
on behalf of our schools. Does that make sense to everybody? So you've had time to think about it here. And so I'm going to give you like five seconds to get into whatever pose you want. And I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to just pray silently. And then I'm going to close this in prayer. Does that make sense? Okay, so go ahead and take your pose. And I'm going to give you some time to pray that. And then I'll close this in prayer. Lord, Father, Dad, we stand here, but we also, in some crazy way that we don't understand, we stand before you. We kneel before you. We bow before you tonight. We know that you care. We know you love us. We know that your grace is sufficient. We know that we can stand here right now with confidence, not because of us, not because we're perfect. In fact, far from it. We've really messed things up a lot in our lives, but here's what we know. We know that you've allowed us to stand here before you right now. And the other thing that's even crazier is that you've allowed us to stand here because we come from a school that needs to see you move in that school. There are needs that that are beyond mentioning that may be overwhelming to some of us as we're here. And what may even overwhelm us is the fact that we're here. That you've somehow picked us. You've chosen us to be here tonight, to be before your throne, to be praying together, to be gathered in this amazing environment this weekend. And Lord, what we're asking tonight is that you would see our pose, you would see our heart, you'd see our bodies, Lord, but you'd see our, our, our passion. You'd see our devotion. And God, whatever needs that we have, we boldly give them to you because we know that you care. We're not praying empty words up to a ceiling, Lord. We're praying to you who now is receiving our hearts. So Lord, tonight as we begin our time together, may you help us to understand the confidence that we can have in standing, kneeling, bowing before you. Speak to us this weekend, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that concludes part one of our prayer series. Thank you for listening and joining us. This four-part series will lead us up to two notable events. First one being, see you at the poll on September 27th. If you are a youth leader, a youth pastor, pastor, parent, just want to encourage you to encourage your students to join other students across the country to pray at their school. See you at the poll is also a great launching point for Claim Your Campus. So if the material you heard in this episode interests you at all, and if you want to see students praying at their schools throughout the entire school year, go to claimyourcampus.com to find out how you can be a part of the student-led prayer movement. And if you are a youth pastor or a youth leader and you want to bring Claim Your Campus to your local church to then launch all the students in your youth ministry to pray for their school, well, we have CYC Connect, which is about connecting your local church or ministry to the student-led prayer movement. And what CYC Connect provides is a customizable 60-minute program that empowers your students to change their schools through prayer. And the second notable event that I want to mention to you is our kickoff for season three of the Thought Factory podcast, which is coming 10-10, October 10th. 
We have gathered more data, have new results from our research of students, and we can't wait to share it with you. So I hope to have you join us on The Thought Factory. More at neverthesame.org.